There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Yeah! Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, preseason camp time, holding the first tomato from this year's Rucker Farm, Knox County edition tomato in my hand as I type this or record this time, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, West Rucker. Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Going to bring it to you live at the time, live for you listening to it on Friday morning. Is it technically live at that? It's not live at that point, but it'll be the first time you hear it, you know? Fresh. It'll be fresh. It'll be certified fresh. Like that tomato. Like our unrotten tomatoes here that we have right here in the studio. Don't let the uh, groundhog eat them, though. That's why we have planter boxes. Uh, yeah. But still, he's pretty big. He's a pretty big groundhog. That's true. He probably can leap, and he's like the uh, the buff hamster of uh, of groundhogs. He's the buff. He's the buff hog. Gary's a big guy. Have you seen Gary lately? Every single day, <laughs> he and Mrs. Gary Garina and their two children. Oh, it's a family now. Yeah, it's four of them. You've only sent us pictures of, of Gary. Well, that's because Gary's the only one that's so abnormally large that it's interesting to take his picture. Because it's like, do I send this to Guinness? Because this is a big groundhog. I'm pretty sure this is the next evolution I think it's, in groundhog species. I think what you're telling me right now is that it's Fort Gary, is what, what this really is. What the backyard really is. That's why it looks like uh, the World War One Western Front battlefield back there because there's... Mine, some, like like landmines? Yeah, Gary's back there digging trenches. For the trench warfare against me. It's like the yard looks great except for those little things, but that's all right. Also got a little bug in my throat today. Just woke up with that, so if you hear me clearing my throat or trying to uh, expunge phlegm during Let this podcast, my throat. that'd be the reason for it. Also, since we're bringing this to you on a Friday morning, uh, we can tell you that there's just two of us in the studio today because the other two are out on assignment That'd be uh, Grant Ramey and Ryan Callahan. Much like J.J. Peterson, they are not here. They are not here yet. Of course, now that I said that, J.J. will actually show up tomorrow morning. Hey, Tennessee fans will take any jinx you can give them that would work out in their benefit at this point, I do believe. But uh, the other two guys, they're out there. You'll hear plenty of stuff from them. Uh, see it on the site. Uh, got some some really good recruiting stuff that they're going to bring to you. Bring it fresh just like this fresh tomato right here. And what Patrick and I are here for in this studio right now uh, is to speak to you all about Tennessee football preseason camp. It is at the, uh, was it the, the midway pole, midway marker roughly, just before the second scrimmage? Well, they, uh, what do they start on August 3rd? And there's yep. 31 days in August. So if you do the math, that's 28 days of, of preseason camp football. So 14, so if you do 3 plus 14, that's 17. Mm-hmm. And I believe today 
Friday is August the 17th. Believe that is correct. Hashtag math. Hashtag math. My wife, the math teacher, would be proud of me right now. There you go. Uh, yeah, my wife's also the uh, better math person in our family. Uh, you know, that cliche is kind of that the, you know, the husband does the math stuff and the, the wife does like the, the, the writing and English and grammar stuff. For us, it's like the inverse of that. We're, we're very unique uh, in that way. It sounds like the Brown family is also. Uh, got a bunch to talk to you about with this because normally what happens is uh, I don't know exactly that Tennessee's going to do it this way, but what most coaches do during preseason camp is they have uh, three actual scrimmages and then a fourth kind of a beanie bowl or walkthrough game that they do about a week before the season starts. I, so. I hope that you or somebody asks Pruitt, hey, are you going to have a beanie bowl just so we can be like, what is that? What's a beanie bowl? Beanie bowl. What is that? Um, what it, is that? Does that have to do with the hats that I leave here in this podium? Uh, all my <laughs> hats are here in the podium. He 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 got he got real country, real country, talking about the uh, the defensive backs. Oh yeah, uh, Wednesday night. Do he, I need to go? Pull, do I need to go pull that quote up just so I can read it? Yeah, we we might. Or we could actually probably go in and play it. I bet is what we could do. Uh, let me go pull it up first. Let me do. Let me do my impression of it, and then if you want to play the audio, if you want to come go back and add it in, that's probably fine. Let's see. Should I go do a drum roll? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Sound more like a bumblebee. <laughs> the secondary. This is from uh, his post practice comments on Wednesday. The secondary is one of those positions that if you got guys that can play, you probably ain't want to take them out out of the game because it don't take for them to mess up but one time and the other team scores points. <laughs> I think we can leave it as that. <laughs> that that that's Patrick Brown doing his best. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, impersonation. I, I, I think there was no. I did. I was. I was. I kind of started to get more southern as I read it. No, I got into character. That's what he did as that, as that press conference extended. As it as it as it continued as it progressed, he got more and more country, which is normally what happens. Because as soon as he lets that force field down a little bit, ooh, that Rainsville Alabama comes out real quick, right quick. It comes out uh, in force. And then there was the, the just his line on, on, on special teams on Wednesday. Guys kicked the ball well. <laughs> the kickers kicked the ball well. Kicker? That was the extent of his uh, special teams analysis uh, from Wednesday. Yeah, Pruitt seems to me like the kind of guy that sometimes if you ask him about kickers or pondos, he'd be like, I'm here to talk about football players. <laughs> what's, the, what's that? He'd probably say something like, about how in high school he one time had to have like his 285-pound defensive, defensive tackle kick extra points because they didn't have anybody that could – that could get any air under the ball. They didn't have any good soccer players down there. Although you wonder if uh, you know he spent all that time in Alabama and what's sort of been the one chink in the armor for Bama time and time again the past few years, it has been uh, the place-kicking situation. So hasn't uh, seemed to bother him too much, though. No, it hasn't, but it has been an issue. And I don't think it's just been an issue because everything else that they do looks so freaking perfect all the time. Yeah, that, the problem is, is you have to get it to come down to a kick. Not many teams can do that. Auburn did it. That's what I'm saying, Auburn. Well, the I'm kick six. Not many. How many games have they lost over the last five years? Not very many. Not a lot. Not a lot. All right. So we're going. Are we going mid-season, mid, mid-camp, mid-preseason progress report? Is that what we're going to call this? Yeah. Dig? Normally, when there's three or four of us in here, we we write down a little bit of an outline. Uh, sometimes on our Go Balls 24/7 Team Seven trash can dry erase board uh, that needs to be updated uh, for Team Eight. Team Eight's going to have its own. Uh, trash can, dry erase board, maybe maybe even a bigger one. Going to build a collection of these. But since there's only two of us, we basically just turned this microphone on and we said, let's do some camp 
progress report. Where are things? So there will be no uh, no uh, crinkling of the paper to indicate that there is an outline because right now this legal pad right in front of me uh, only has Thursday's Facebook schedule on it. So unless we're going to talk about exactly what we're doing with Thursday's Facebook and why we're doing it that way, uh, we're going to have to wing this. Think we can do it? I think we can do it. I, I think, think we, we laid it out in the, before we started recording. Do we want to go position by position? Do we want to go just offense and defense? Do we want to – you know what? I, I'll, I'll cede the floor to the, to the football beat guy and say, what, which way would you like to take this? Let's just, let's just do um, – let's just encompass everything on offense and defense, position by position. Let's maybe try to say – I don't want to say grade it. I'm not – I was never – yeah, I don't, I don't, my wife's the teacher. She does the grading. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we've seen quite enough to grade. Yeah. We've seen a, a decent amount, but we don't think we've seen enough to grade. Okay, maybe we should say like, okay, here's what we've learned about the position, and then here's what we need to learn over the next however many practices they have till they start focusing on West Virginia. So I think that's fair. Go. Uh, we'll start with quarterbacks. We'll get that out of the way. A lot of people want to know about the quarterback situation. What we learned, I think, is nobody has separated themselves. That's correct. Uh, and what we need, what we were looking to find out is, will somebody separate themselves, or are we heading into a situation? Where both quarterbacks might play against West Virginia. That's uh, that's that's the question, you, you know. And and, and I, uh, Pruitt keeps saying it's a four man competition. I, I get it. I think we all know that JT Shroud is is sort of um, the caboose at the moment, as he should be, because he was a raw prospect when they brought him in. JT Wild Thing Shroud. Yeah, he, he, Rick Vaughn back there hurling fastballs, knocking down uh, the heads of the uh, cardboard cutout strike zone guys, uh, just like uh, Ricky Ricky Vaughn does. He. Uh, He's got a heck of an arm. He's got talent, but I, he makes a lot of throws that you go, oh, you're not ready, young man. But the other three, um, I think we all know the two main competitors are, are Garantano and Christ. Uh, but then I think it, it, what McBride does enough to keep his name in the conversation, and I think anyone who says otherwise is fooling themselves. Well, then I'm, I'm fooling myself then because when I asked Pruitt about had he seen any separation among his, his quarterbacks, he first by saying both of them have done some good things. And was like, oh yeah, McBride's had a solid camp too. I, that that was that's not fooling me. You know what? You just keep doubting Willie football at your own peril. <laughs> keep doubting Willie football. You know what he does? He takes that hate from you, and it's the oxygen that just gives him life and uh, allows him to keep himself in this thing. We all know it's going to be Garantano or Christ if if both well, those guys are healthy. We, fa- we know that. We do know that. Yeah, and the fact that Pruitt also said like, hey, we gave McBride some second team reps. That probably indicates he's probably pretty much in the third spot because yeah. you're not going to give your third quarter, your third quarterback first team reps if he's not still in the mix. When, when it's noteworthy that you're getting second team reps, you're yeah. probably not the starter. And, and I think the the biggest difference in what they did in the scrimmage is when we saw in the open practice, they had like four groups rolling at a time and yep. it's sort of like chaotic because you're trying to, you know, if you're watching it, it's hard to watch both sides. Um, so and I think in the scrimmage, they don't, they don't have that going on. I think it's just one group at a time. Yeah, I think probably if I had to guess again, the scrimmage yeah, is close, so I don't know that. But I don't think they two spot. Um, yeah, I don't, scrimmages. Yeah, I think scrimmages are more for I think try to simulate game situations. They're one spot. Yeah, and um, I, I think it's it's I think it's Garantano and Chris, and I think it's a lot closer than it was this time probably a week ago. Uh, probably fair. I, I think Chris had a much better scrimmage. I don't think that he like lit the world on fire, uh, as some have characterized it. He did have an interception. So did Garantano. Garantano wasn't as sharp as he was in the open scrimmage. So uh, I think that's why that you've seen Pruitt kind of say, eh, there hasn't been that much kind of separation. And what has to be alarming if you're Tennessee, first of all, is that Pruitt wasn't really 
all that enthralled with what he saw from the quarterbacks and sort of reviewing the scrimmage. And then he also said that, you know, he had some situations where the quarterback held the ball too long. He didn't name Jared Garantano, but I don't think it's that tough to, or my, that much of a stretch to put two and two together because that was something Garantano really struggled with last year. And, and he has that tendency or he showed that tendency uh, when you get into 11 on 11 situations where he, he kind of does that a little bit. So um, I think it's still, I wouldn't say wide open. Um, Chris did get first team reps in, in the scrimmage and I'm sure he probably will get some on, on Saturday when they scrimmage again. But I don't know. I think it's still, it's still up in the air to me. Yeah. The, the thing here's where I am with this thing. It, it's easy to say that maybe Garantano is the more dynamic of the two and, and maybe Chris is the safer of the two. I, I think that's, that's that, oversimplifying it, probably. That is oversimplifying it because that's what a lot of people think, and, and I think it's more complex than that. And, and even even if it were that simple, if it were that just that basic, the problem I have is that Tennessee is probably not where it needs to be on offense enough where you can just beat decent teams with a game manager. I don't think in this day and age – it's almost like going into any game. If you don't score 30 points, you're probably going to lose. It almost feels like that in this era most of the time. And if you put a game manager out there and he's, you try to make him not make mistakes and, and you, you don't let him maybe be more dynamic, I, I think you run the risk of being less dynamic than you need to be. I think you need to make some plays. Uh, it's tough to find that line because if you're a quarterback, you live in that gray area where a coach tells you, all right, go out there and make a play, um, but also don't do anything stupid. And it's like you have to be really selective and, and intelligent with where you take your risks, why you take your risks. And without seeing a great deal of scrimmage-like situations from these guys, it's hard for me to sit here and objectively tell you, you know, I think this guy's more consistent. Uh, I, I think this guy is is more dynamic because – even if it were that simple, you have to have a guy who's going to make some plays in this offense, I think. Yeah, and, and I think you need a guy that isn't going to turn the ball over, which why I think Chris is still a factor in it. And um, I, I think questions about his arm strength are valid. Which is amazing because he looks like robo quarterback. He's, <laughs> he's huge. He's a, he's a big dude. He's like he's like the Gary the Groundhog of quarterbacks. He is 6'5", he's 240, not, every bit of it. He's not quite like hefty-lefty like Jared Lorenzen. No, but I mean, nobody is. He's not quite Tebow sized, but he's almost that kind of build. Like he is a large, large mammal. But you know, it's you know, how much is Tennessee going to even be able to? I mean, let's be honest. How much are they even going to be able to run long developing pass plays with the pass, with the offensive line situation? It is. That's fair. So you know, can he throw fifteen yard jump balls? If he can do that, if he can throw fifteen yard jump balls and and back shoulder throws and and everything underneath is fine, then. Do you really need a guy that can chuck the ball 40 yards? Is he going to have time to chuck the ball 40 yards? I don't know. So, And uh, can, he, can he extend plays with his legs? Even, even if he can't run for 30 yards, you know, on a big, on a big rip like that, can he make enough play? Can he, can he be savvy enough? Can he use his athleticism? Can he maneuver in the pocket to buy time? I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd probably feel a lot better about trying to tackle Terry Garantana than I would about Chris. He's big dude. a big dude. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. He's had, he's had some injuries sort of in his past. I wonder if, if that's maybe slowed him down. But um, I, know I still think there's still quite a bit to be decided with the quarterbacks. The running backs seem to have that, – that picture seems to have crystallized a little bit more. A little bit. It's getting, it's getting a little sharper. I, I think we, we've maintained throughout preseason that it's going to be a sort of by committee thing. I just think we have a better grasp of now it's 
at least going into the second scrimmage, it's probably a three three man committee at this point. I think that's fair. With, I think I with think... the Tim Jordan, Ty Chandler, and Madre London. Yeah, to, to me, it seems like that you know Ty Chandler and, and Buff Hamster, they're getting a lot of the getting a lot of the the one reps, and I think Madre London's working with that group some too. And there are other guys there. They've got other bodies, but I think those three right now, like I, I don't I don't think Banks is ready quite yet. Um, you know, I don't. You know, Trey Coleman, I think he's he's okay. He's just there's nothing I don't think really dynamic there. I could be wrong. Uh, so I and then you got a couple walk ons and stuff, and and then you get into the the H back tight end kind of grouping, which we can get to in a minute, but that that's there's a lot in motion there, I think, about there's a lot in, in play about who could do what and what role I think they're working on that. But as far as the 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 tailback, I guess do we call Tennessee's running backs tailbacks again? Because there might be I, two in the backfield I, sometimes. I've just I've stopped going with tailback for a while. Yeah, because in a one back offense you yeah, you're, running back takes up two words when you write it in stories. Yeah, but 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 if if, if there's not a fullback in front of you, you're not a tailback because you're not the tail. You're just you're you're the back. You're the running back, and there's a quarterback. So, I mean, that, that, we could have a whole argument for an hour on that for fun. But but I think that right now we'll keep calling them running backs, and I, and I think we're starting to figure out who those guys are going to be. And, and whatever you want to call them, Jeremy Pruitt has been, I would I would say consistently, but he's he's singled those guys out that group out for compliments a couple times this week uh yep. he said that they ran pretty well in the scrimmage on on sunday which mm-hmm. kind of echoes back to i think what he said after one spring scrimmage where he was like hey our running backs did some good things made some guys miss uh and then he said talking about london on wednesday saying that uh that group has really welcomed him in and got him up to speed pretty quickly mm-hmm. and it's sort of an interesting dynamic there because london is by far more experienced than all those guys uh i think he's <laughs> If you look at yeah, just he's, their, he's he's got the winning touchdown it, in a Michigan Michigan State game. Yeah, that's you, pretty impressive. If you go and look at their just career combined carries, he's I think almost double at least what uh, the returning running backs have. But those guys had to help him sort of come in and, and understand what Tennessee and what this new staff is doing because uh, I think all, all of them are there in the spring. I think they ended up with four guys except for Banks, uh, Chandler, Jordan, Fant, who's now at tight end or is a tight end this week, and then Coleman. Uh, we're all here in the spring, so they all kind of, you know, and Pruitt was saying that, you know, hey, those guys really help. You know, it's a good sign when you see a new guy come in and hit the ground running, and I think we've seen a little bit at, at, at tight end, too, with Dominic Wood Anderson, but um, I, I think Tennessee might have some some nice options there. You know, we'll have to see. Those guys maybe have to make, are going to have to be able to make some yards on their own, I yeah, think. I are. think that's fair to say, and I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they use Ty Chandler because it's, you know, it still feels like he's their best guy, but it kind of also feels like maybe the staff still isn't like entirely sold on him. I don't think they should. I think Pruitt's just worried about a guy with his size getting being the yeah, feature I back mean, because just, he can't hold up week to week. Yeah, I just I, I, and I don't think that's where you want to use Ty. I think he's he's best when you get him out in in space. He's more likely to break a home run when he's having to elude defensive backs or or, or kind of lower. You know, we saw him lower the shoulder a few times you know, last he, year. He, he came into high school. He came into college wanting to be like. In a, he wants to be a downhill runner. That's what he wants to be. That, yeah. That's that's what he he thinks his mindset is. So, but that may not be what matches his game. Well, and and again, you you want him on the field. You don't want him on the sideline with a banged up shoulder or you know something else. So, you, you don't want to pound him into the line of scrimmage fifteen times a game. You got other, especially when you've got some guys that can do that. Like Jordan's not afraid to, uh, and obviously London has done it. That's pretty much kind of what he did at Michigan State. So. Uh, I think they're going to maybe use Chandler. I don't want to say change of pace, but I think he's a guy that uh, you you want to try to get him to where he can get open in space, and you want him 
you want him using the physicality that he has, that he's shown. You want him using that on defensive backs and not linebackers and defensive linemen who are much bigger than he is. I agree with that. And, and, and I think that I, I, I don't know that Tennessee – I don't know that I can say this with 100% confidence, but I'm pretty darn confident Tennessee does not have a single 1,000-yard rusher in that mix right now. I, I think that what they've got is maybe three guys who could be in like the three to 500-yard range. Uh, I think I could see it kind of working out that way by the end of the season. You know, maybe a guy around, you know, 450, 500, a couple guys in the, you know, 250 to 400 range, somewhere in there. I think you're definitely going to see a committee approach to that situation. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of – I'm about to segue, so get your get your segue self ready. Um, we we had a, we kind of have an idea of how many that's running backs sound. they might play. I still, I'm still not quite sure on how many, how many wide receivers they're going to play. And the story, I think, for, for camp so far at wide receiver is Jordan Murphy's had a really good camp, and we don't know what to make of this Juwan Jennings situation because eh, it's not – you would have liked to see him not having to – you know, we're asking Pruitt questions about it just about every time he talks, and you would have thought – you would have hoped by now if you were Tennessee that you weren't having to be in that situation. Yeah, you threw me for a loop there because I thought you would go more of the, the H-back tight end route now to – to sort no. of keep things in the backfield a little bit, so no. I, I can. I know you want to talk about fullbacks, but we'll get no, there. When no, we get no, there. no, 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 no. I'm not. I, I'm just saying, well played, sir, because uh, you, as the Brits across the pond say, you wrong-footed me on that one. Uh, you know, I, you, you got me leaning the wrong way. But I, I think the wide receivers, there have been some reasons for optimism there. I'm not going to deny that. A couple of guys have emerged uh, who might be better right now than we thought they were going to be. But yeah it's tough for me to know exactly what that hyperextension for a couple of days did to Jawan Jennings. How much did it change the plan of bringing him back? Because he looks like he's running around pretty well right now, but I don't know that he's 100%. No, I don't think he's that close, to be honest. But but he, he, he's, he's getting out there and he's doing some things, yeah. and that's good. But you're playing a game in like 16, 15, 16 days now. So you're, you're worried maybe a little bit because if you don't have – Jennings out there as a bell cow. I mean, it could be a lot worse than having some teams would be would love to have a guy like Marquez Callaway as their their bell cow in the receiver core. He he's got all the skills, uh, he can do all those things. But I've always thought that the guy who would benefit the most from Jennings coming back would be Callaway because yeah. there would not be nearly as much attention on him. He would get a little bit more one on one coverage. Uh, he would be able, you know, it's just kind of like if, if Jennings comes and takes all those kind of first line, top line bullets, then it lets everybody else have a little more room to operate. And there's just, I don't know if it's the quarterbacks. Uh, sometimes it probably is. I don't know if it, what it is, but there, with a couple of exceptions, and Wednesday was much better in this in this way, but there have been too many days where there have been too many balls on the ground. You do not like to see balls on the ground and routes on air. You just don't like to see it. Uh, sometimes you're going to, a quarterback's going to throw the ball and the guy's going to break the other way or because the coach is, you know, complicating it by throwing some words at him and phrases and hot routes and things. So so it's not as simple as you go stand 20 yards away and I'm going to throw you the ball. It's not quite that simple, but the fact is this is an SEC team and there have been too many balls on the ground. And I think that is that is a concern and that's something that they got just a couple of weeks to sharpen up. Now you wonder if it's – is it because they're dealing with all the quarterbacks right now? and they're not able to get on the same page in a rhythm with somebody? Do they need to pare that down? There's a lot of things that go into that process, I think. Yeah, and I think it's fair to expect this passing game is going to be a work in progress just because you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, and, and you don't know how healthy your tends best. tends to be an important part of the process. And you don't know how healthy your best, your best receiver is going to be. So 
Um, I, I think the big question over the next couple of weeks is, uh, is can Jennings get back to close to 100%? And then how how does the rest of the, of the rotation shake out? I think Marquez Callaway and Brandon Johnson are going to be fixtures in it. I think Jordan Murphy is just about just about there, I think, in being then maybe the fourth guy if you want to throw Jennings in there. And then uh, I think Palmer's in the mix, too. He's another big body. But, again, now you're getting to the point where are they going to play six-plus guys? Yep. Uh, and I'm interested to see, you know, we saw a photo from – uh, that UT sent out that had Tyler Bird running with the ones on offense. So everybody rev your engines I, up. It's Tyler I, Bird talk time. I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Um, is that is that is that a mortal lock? Do I need to make the the locking chain sound on that? Yeah. Are you are you sharpening just, that in right now? Everybody just relax. It was just a photo. It might not have been the ones, but he was lined up across from Balaam Buchanan, who has been running with the ones. Who's been who's been CB one? You can see, I think Sap in there too, and I'm pretty sure he's close to you know he's probably in the mix with the ones. Uh, Well, he has been because Darren Kirkland hasn't been doing everything this week. So there you go. Um, So I, you know, does Tillman get in there, or is he a guy that maybe comes on later in the season? So that's sort of the question with me is is what are they going to do with the receiver rotation? And I think that's got to sort of define itself over the next. week and a half or so if i were gonna gonna try to take a really really complex thing and try to simple it down to the lowest common denominator and try to try to express my thoughts on this receiver situation in one paragraph here's the closest i can come to doing that if brandon johnson is my team's fourth number four wide receiver i feel outstanding about that if brandon johnson is your number two if he's my number three wide receiver i feel pretty good about that if he's my number two wide receiver group, then I, you know, that you probably well, need to be a little bit better than that because I, I think he's Mister Reliable. He's Mister Steady. He goes where he's supposed to go. He's a to me, he's the kind of guy who would have really nice numbers in a good offense because he's just he runs routes. He he finds space. He gets open. He catches the ball. He's smooth. Uh, he, there's a lot I like about him. I think he's a really well, underrated football player. But if he's my number three wide receiver, I like that a lot better than him being my number two wide receiver. Well, if he he was Tennessee's number two wide receiver. Well, he might have been the number one wide receiver last year, depending because Callaway kind of bounced in and out of the lineup for a couple games there. Yep. Uh, latter half of the season. So, uh, are you ready to talk about fullbacks now? Can we talk about fullbacks? Oh, I, uh, First, we should talk about tight ends. We did talk to Dominic Wood Anderson. Well, I mean, on, we kind of lump them into one category, kind of. I think. Yeah, I think they all kind of work together, kind of like the safeties and the and the nickel guys work together. Yeah. Um, on defense, we did talk to Do- uh, Dominic Wood Anderson. There's a lot of excitement about him. There should be good play. Uh, he come. He wasn't really like the most talkative guy, but that just to me says two things. One, he's been coached up to not say anything. Cali guys usually are pretty confident. And, they usually don't mind two, talking. And two, he's just like I'm here to to play my one to two years of ball and then go on to the league. Uh, that's sort of the sort of the approach I, I got from from listening to him. And he bit actually, of CP, bit of Cordero Patterson maybe, getting that kind of vibe a little bit? No. I, Not no, that he's that no, unique of a character, no. but, I mean, just a guy who's like, I'm going to come in and have fun, but this is business. I'm going to spend a year or two here and go. Yeah, and now he, he had a little bit of uh, – you, know, you can kind of see that Cali-ness. And, and, and it mostly came out when he was talking about um, – he used to be a basketball player. He didn't have any scholarship officers, and he was like, I got a bunch of letters, but that doesn't mean nothing. And then he was like, well, you know, which do you like more? Do you like football or basketball better? And he's like, I like him even, but there's more opportunity in football because I'm not 6'8", 215. That's true. Uh, and he was like, in junior college, I played with a, at, a, at a JUCO out in Arizona Western that puts out about 20-plus dudes a year is what he said. So I can see some of these dudes at this level. Um, so you can kind of see that. And I think I think he's I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game. I think he's going to be a guy that could be a – I don't want to say a safety blanket, but he's going to be a guy that if – 
you know, if I need a tough catch over the middle of the field, I'm looking for big number 18 because that's going to be a guy that's good. I think going to be a matchup problem for a lot of defenses. I bet he misses in and out Burger a lot. I bet he's down there in the Smokies Cafeteria. Hey, Tennessee we got good like, food around here. Now. Oh, no, we got good food. But, I mean, if, if you're a West Coast guy, you, you miss that's in and out Burger, you know. And I wonder if he goes into Smokies occasionally and he's like, listen, can you make the closest thing you can make to that in and out sauce? Can you, can you make that happen for me? Uh, you I, know, they I, probably could do that down there. That's what I'm saying. I would dangle that out there as a carrot. I, I would say, listen, all right, you do your job. And, and we'll get you this. Uh, we'll get you what you want. But I, I, I think that what I, what I like about that whole tight end fullback situation, I, I think that there is uh, clearly through the offseason now, I think there's one guy that I am not ashamed to admit that I did not mention his name enough. Eli Pope. Uh, <laughs> part of it. Uh, that he's going to be on the field a lot more than I think a lot of people thought he would be. I think Austin Pope is going to be – um, a pretty decent part of this offense. I don't know what the numbers are going to be, but I think that there's going to be he, – he's running with the ones a lot as that kind of fullback H-back role, and, and I think he's going to – I think Pruitt likes his toughness. I think Pruitt likes his versatility, and I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be involved in this thing. Yeah, I, I, that was one of my takeaways from from the spring game is that, hey, they have a fullback, and, hey, the guy that's playing it looked pretty good doing it. So Yep. Um, I think the toughness thing is 81's a weird number for a fullback, but that's okay. I think toughness is something you pointed out because uh, the Wolf had a hand or finger injury or something, or not Wolf. See, I did it. I'm hanging out with you. There you go. Uh, All yeah. white tight ends <laughs> look alike. Um, yeah, he had a uh, – Pope had a hand or finger injury, and I think he only missed like maybe one practice. Yeah, maybe he, two. He, 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 he was cl- out there practicing with a club Yeah, on. He, he clubbed it up. He, uh, he Javon Curse, old school, clubbed it up. And, uh, you know, I, I – I think that's a, I think that's a guy that, that the staff seems to like, and I think um, you know if you I think Wood Anderson's going to be just about an every down player, just about. Uh, I think Wolf's going to play a lot. I think Pope's yeah. going to play a lot, and I think if you're in a situation where you need three tight ends, those are probably your three guys, and you're probably lining uh, Pope as your, sort of your offline guy. I still think Wolf's going to make some big plays this year. I do. Uh, he's got to stay healthy too. He's he had he was going to I think he was going to be a pretty decent part of the offense last year when they were going to play the Wolf Wolf package. But Wolf Wolf, uh, yeah. he got hurt I think against Indiana State and really just never it just never happened. Plus the, the offense the, was trash. Then it became the Wolf Wolf one because he was out there but he wasn't really 100. percent So it was like Wolf Wolf. That was the other one. No, it became he was the softer Wolf. It became Buzz your girlfriend Wolf Buzz, offense girlfriend. Girl. Gross to watch. Wolf. Uh, well. You know, Bumpus is a guy a lot of people have asked about. We've talked about him, I think, some on Facebook Live because he was talked up so much by the previous staff. And it's like, eh, where's the uh, – you know, can he be the, the other tight end there? Can he be another guy that Tennessee gets on the field if they want to go to a heavy package maybe in a, in a goal line situation or short yardage? And Or is that a guy like Mr. Cowboy Collar himself? That's where the <laughs> Cowboy call. I'm telling you, when I, I time a guy gets the ball – and immediately, I mean immediately, puts both hands on it and wraps them up. That's my kind of dude right there. When, when Blakely, anytime Jaquan Blakely gets the ball, he has that buzzard by both hands, and you, yeah. are, you are not going to rip that ball away from him. You might pass out if they ever run like a fullback dive. He is a fullback wearing a cowboy collar. Why is everybody else not as excited about this? I think people are excited about it. And he's wearing 48. He's wearing the Moose Johnson number. How many many retweets? It's happening. It's happening. How many retweets and likes did your tweet get on the first photo that you used of him? Uh, It was a few thousand probably. It got up there pretty high. Yeah. So there you go. I think think the people like it. 48, Uh, fullback, cowboy uh, collar. Let's do this. Are the people going to like this offensive line? How about that segue? Um, (laughs) 
They like a lot better if Trey Smith's in it. Yeah, well, one thing I'll mention real quick, really quickly, is that uh, I do think Jacob Warren has a chance to be a nice player for Tennessee, but I think he needs time. I think the, yeah. the freshman from Farragut, I, I think he's just too skinny. But he, he's every bit of 6'7". He, he's a nice target. He's got decent hands, or pretty yeah. good hands, actually. So I think he's a name to watch going forward, but not necessarily this year unless there's some injuries. Shout out to the Farragut Admirals. There you go. Um, no, actually, Knoxville Catholic High School is the best, but Farragut's not bad. So when, when you look at – that offensive line, I'll be honest with you. First Patrick, of all, I can't figure it out right now. I just can't. Well, I think they're they're still trying to figure it out too. I, I don't. I, I think everything outside of Brandon Kennedy as the center is up for grabs right now. Or yeah. it's not. I don't say up for grabs, but fluid. I do think if if I was, um, and I think that the thing that we need to take the thing that we've learned from from the first this part of camp is that they're still trying to figure it out. Yep. And you would hope that it would have crystallized and you could say, here's our weakest spot. We're going to put Trey Smith here. I think there's still going to be some moving pieces, and it seems like they've moved some guys around entirely to do that. And um, so I, I think the big question moving forward is – or forward? How does he say it? Forward. Moving forward. Um, is First of all, is Trey Smith going to get the okay? And is he going to be able to do full contact? We've seen him do light contact stuff. It seems like everything's on track, but – you Once can just we get tell. You just look at him. He just wants to hit somebody so bad. <laughs> he, He's like, mm, Trey wants to hit. He like he wants to go out there. He wants to mash people. They do these these uh, like I don't know drive block drills with the other player has a medicine ball, and he will like have the medicine ball and just like you can't see what I'm doing, but he just throws his arm as forward as fast as until, he can. Until, I've seen until him we had the video component. When, when we get this house, uh, the upstairs of it fixed up, and we get the I, video component of this, I've seen him almost shove both Ryan Johnson and Jameer Johnson just flat on their behinds. Just out of sheer force to like at, at the end of his rep. I mean, and Ryan Johnson's like six six three oh five. He's a big dude. He's a, that's that's a big kid. So everything again seems like on track with Trey. But until like okay, it's the nineteenth, it's twentieth, it's next week, it's whatever. Whenever the the day is that that's going to be the day where he's cleared for full contact. That's going to be you know a question mark. And there's no givens with this situation because of the nature of it. So. Uh, that said, I think they're going to play him at left tackle. It seems like that's where they're looking at him and some individual stuff that we've seen, in which case they're flipping Drew Richmond over to right tackle. And it makes me think that that's what it's going to be because they're also flipping Ryan Johnson over to right tackle or right guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those guys have been working together on the left side quite a bit. So I wonder if they're trying to, you know, build continuity by keeping guys next to the same guys they've been working with, if that the, makes the sense. The synergy. Yeah. And so I, I think at left guard, it'll probably be either Riley Lockley or Jerome Carbon. I think those guys are. Um, kind of battling it out there if that's what it, the five is going to be. Uh, I, I think, think Locklear's name is one that we keep not mentioning enough, but that's just my take on it. I think he very well could be uh, in the starting lineup, and I know probably for a fact without talking to him that he probably wants to be in the starting lineup against his home state team. Probably a lot of motivation there. Probably probably a lot of family and friends there. Especially because he grew up in Huntington, so I can tell you this. He almost certainly grew up I'm – just, I'm just taking a guess at this, that he grew up – a Marshall fan, and he hates the hell he, out of West Virginia. He, you know, uh, we don't know the dynamics of the West Virginia. Because I think didn't his his brother plays for? I think Locklear's brother is an offensive lineman for Marshall. I think. Why don't you look that up? I'm gonna look that up right now while you're talking. Um, and so, you know, I I think that's that might be the the five. Uh, obviously, either Carver or Locklear is gonna be one of the first guys off the bench. I think Marcus Tatum could be one of the first guys off the bench at tackle. Jameer Johnson seems to me like he might still be in the mix. He's still so light. Uh, but, you know, they don't have many of the guys that can play left tackle. I think he's probably one of the three. Um, yeah, I think then, that's fair. And then Karen Calvert's another guy that's been getting some work. There's been a couple guys there. He looks that are, decent running around. The Calvert looks like he's, he's got – if he can stay healthy ever, 
uh, he's well, got some ability. I think people need to be patient with him because he's still just a retro freshman, and he was raw coming in anyway. So, uh, and, and the big and the big question is going to be with me with Chan- is obviously with Chance Hall. What happens there? I think some people are maybe getting too far ahead of themselves, saying like, "Oh, is he going to be in this? You know, is he going to you know replace Richmond at right tackle in this lineup that they might play?" Like, I, he's got to he's got to get through a scrimmage first, and they they've taken it easy with Hall this week. I don't know how much he's done. We'll see how much he does uh, on Thursday and Friday. Um, in, in terms of his workload, and, and they were hopeful. They were hopeful last week that he could scrimmage, and if he can scrimmage, that's another big step for him because uh, they held him out last week. So, and, and even then, if, if there's a scenario where maybe you can get Chance ready and he's back by, say Florida, you know, there's still there's still so many things that aren't clear about that situation that makes me it's it's kind of hard to answer questions. And we get a lot of questions about Chance because a lot of people are uh, curious to see how that's going to play out and. And Ryan Johnson said Thursday that, you know, they're not surprised that the chances put himself in this situation just because that's how hard of a worker he is. So, at this point, you kind of are doubting him at your own peril. But I've always been high on Chance Hall. I think he's a good football player. I, I just I, – I, I get that. But there was a time over the past year or so where it was like he wasn't a given he was going to come back or he wasn't gonna be <laughs> given that he was going to be able to play. Uh, and so, it's credit to him that he's – you know. I mean, I think ha- it's to a point where, like, his knee – not all of his knee ligaments – are the ones that he was born with. I think he's he's had yeah. some. I think he's got a. I think he's got a, a cadaver tendon or ligament some, in that got knee. Some, he got some Kobe Bryant treatment. They need to send him to yeah. Germany maybe this month. I mean, I, I I think he really did get like a like a like a donor. I think there there's like a like a one of those tendons in there. Oh, I think no, it, he did. I'm pretty sure he's got a cadaver tendon. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it, it's when you go through a process like that. I mean, that's that's a long recovery, and, and he's been out there looking pretty good running around. I think all things considered. Yeah, but again, they just they've got to get him through a scrimmage. They got to get him where he can practice three, four days in a row. And I just don't know that they're there yet. But the fact that we're even having this conversation, I think, is is a real credit to both the people that have the medical people that have gotten him there, the people that have supported him, including his teammates and Chance himself, for being so determined. Yeah, and I did look it up. Uh, Riley Locklear's older brother, Alex Locklear, does indeed play offensive line for. Marshall. Well, there he goes. He wants to take down the Mountaineers. He's played twenty. He's played in twenty-two games uh, in the past two years. He's six-five, three hundred thirty pounds. Maybe they'll let us talk to him. Locklear's got some big old, big old boys in that family. There's some big dudes. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of biscuits and cornbread at at dinner. That's a lot. Apparently, you have to pick one now because you, you can't have both. Which is absurd. Anyways, yeah, I don't. That, that's that, that that to me, that's like saying, would you rather have your right or your left arm? I mean, I, I just I, I'd rather have both. Thank you. All right, defense. Defense. Defensive line. Go. Um, I I think we learned there's still reasons to be concerned. I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think. Hey, I breaking news. That's uh. I don't. Be, I don't know be, how, be warned. I don't know how much has changed because uh, you know. I think Alexis Johnson's had a nice camp. I think he's come in and sort of solidified probably a starting spot. I think their top three are going to be uh, Johnson at one. At, they're going to play a heavier defense, a heavier guy at one defense spot and a lighter guy at the other defense spot probably just because that's what they have. And a guy at the nose, and I think it's going to be Johnson, Shytuttle, and Kyle Phillips. I think Emmett Gooden's probably the next guy in there. Probably. Um, and, and the question to me over the next couple weeks is how ready can they get some of these new guys? How ready can they get a guy like Kingston Harris? Is Matthew Butler ready to be a factor? I don't know. Can they, you know, is Mincy, can any of these guys emerge and sort of be like, okay, he's definitely in the 2D. And now it's interesting, though, because they're playing West Virginia. So you're going to want your best pass rushers on, on the field that game. Mm-hmm. So how many of those yeah, guys can if you, do if you, that? If you don't hurry that, that quarterback and that offense, you're going to give up a lot of points. So 
they're not even going to be in a 3-4 that much. Uh, and, and so I wonder, I think they're going to probably mix it up quite a bit with the four that they're going to have. They're going to have guys standing. They're going to going to have guys, uh, not standing. They might have two down and two edge on, on the outside. I don't, you know, they're going to, are they going to play Kyle Phillips as an end? Or are they going to play him as an inside rusher? Uh, are they going to put two outside linebackers on the field? Batuli's been sliding down there some. So, it, you know, I, it's going it, to, it's really kind of hard to tell because of that game, but. It seems to me like lately, especially this week, they've been working a lot of guys at multiple positions on, on the defensive line. We've seen Kingston Harris. He was at defensive end. Now he's pretty much worked only at nose this week. Emmett Gooden's worked at the DN spot, as has Tuttle, and I think they're just trying to build depth that way uh, so that if something happens, you're not having to, to play your sixth best guy. Yeah, that's something. Just because you don't have anybody that's worked where the guy got that got hurt was, you know, was playing. Yeah, and I've talked to – got a couple uh, pretty good friends who, who cover Bama, and – this is something that they warn me about to say, hey, some guys are going to be practicing different spots on different days. Don't look too much into that. They just want versatility. They want oh, to yeah. cover their bases. And, and it's, you know, like with the Rashawn Evans and guys like that at Bama, it was not uncommon for him to spend, you know, go from day to day from the inside to the outside backers in practice. So, uh, and, and with defensive linemen, you know, kind of putting their hand down, standing up, they're, they're just, it's a very, very multiple defense and they're, they're putting guys in lots of different situations in practice just to see what they've got and to cover their bases. So I think that that's one thing of note there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with that defensive line, they, they just – I feel good about Tuttle. Uh, I feel pretty good about Alexis Johnson. I think he's had a pretty nice camp, to be honest. And Kyle Phillips, we know he's a solid player. We'll see if he can ever become a really good player, um, but he's a solid player. So what you've got there is okay. It's just behind that. When I see coaching – when I see coaches out there, and every single day Tracy Rocker is hammering those freshman defensive linemen, and there's only two reasons you would possibly do that. One is you're trying to, to weed out the week early on in the, as freshmen in the program and say, this is what it's going to be like. Uh, if you don't like it, you can leave. We'll find someplace else for you. Or, or the second reason is, holy bleep, we need these guys to play. And I think that's what it is. I think they know that they're going to need some of those freshman D linemen, so they are going hard after them, making the whole group run when one of them makes a mistake. Uh, you know, just he can make one step the wrong way and everybody's running. They're trying to preach accountability to this group, and they're trying desperately to get those freshmen ready to play. Yeah. Um, and it's going to – your, your guess is as good as mine is which those guys are going to emerge. I think we know the three. It's just behind that we'll see. Yes, I think we know the two at outside linebacker. I think Darren Taylor and Jonathan Colombo are going to play a lot. Yep. I think probably next in line are probably Jordan Allen and DeAndre Johnson. Mm-hmm. Depending um, on the game, yeah. And, and it's going to be sort of a – it's going to be a pecking order one through four or five or whatever situation there. It's not going to be a, you know, Sam Jack situation, I think. Again, I don't know how Now, much the Sam does have to cover a little more than the Jack does. It's true. Um and those guys are going to have to cover. And I think I think fans – and I think, you know, that's sort of been something that's not been talked about a whole lot. Pruitt has downplayed it, said, hey, they're just moving like two yards over. Those guys are going to have to drop, and they didn't have to do that really unless it was a zone blitz. I don't mind Jordan uh, Allen in that area. No, and I think – And they, I think Taylor's pretty decent in that area They've too. got some really good athletic guys. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's not fair to expect those guys to be able to like chase down running backs in the open field, but that's Correct. not really kind of what they're going to be asked to do. You funnel, main, you funnel them back inside. That's your job. You, yeah. fu- you you set an edge and you funnel them it, back into the middle of the defense. And the main reason that they gonna that they will, that this will happen from time to time is because if you, if you have a same guy off the edge, it, all he does is rush. It gets predictable. 
And so, so you got to mix it up sometimes. And so that's why that's going to happen. But uh, I think Taylor's, you know, can he take the next step? Kongbo, you know, we talked to him on Thursday. He seems like he's got like a new lease on life yes. <laughs> almost. In fact, I'm thinking about doing a second podcast this week where I just play. Uh, Probably set. not good to say that during the first podcast. No, but I mean, I'm thinking about having one where we just where I just because because both Ryan Johnson and Jonathan Combo were both really really impressive. Yeah, I thought in their interviews on Wednesday and could package that together. Perhaps we'll see. But just bottom line is, I, I, there's not a lot of places on this team where I feel really pretty pretty good about where they are. I actually feel pretty good about where they are at outside linebacker, and by that I mean we'll see how high the ceiling is. Um, but I think the, the, the floor is pretty high. I the, think you're going to get some pretty decent play out of that group. The floor is the roof. The, floor, the ceiling yeah. is the roof. The ceiling <laughs> is the roof. Yeah, the uh, – No, uh, I, and, and, you know, that's it's – a, it's, you know, it's a position where you've got a lot of recruiting stars, and there's a lot of places on this defense that are like that, where you've got guys that have a lot of recruiting stars that haven't necessarily done it on the field or haven't done it consistently. You know, we've seen Daryl Taylor have flashes. You know, he had a great game against Southern Miss last year, but that was like a flash in the pan. You know, and he had, I guess he a pop- pretty good Southern Miss offense. Yeah, to be fair. he he popped up with a sack here and there, but he wasn't. You know, it, you know anybody expecting them not to have a drop off from Derek Barnett was fooling themselves last year. And so, uh, you know this this you know this defense these passers are going to be you know they're going to have to get after it and they're going to have to be good and they're going to have to be consistent. And I wonder if uh, that's still my big question is is what is this pass rush going to look like? And uh, I think that's still very much up in the air. Although you you know. I think if you're going into the season, you have reason to feel good about it with the guys yeah. that we've talked about. Here's here's where I am with the entire linebacker core. Here's what I like. This will be a good segue. Yeah. I, for inside and outside linebackers, here's where I am with this. I like the athleticism and the potential of the guys in that entire position group, but for the most part. I like that. I really, really like – when I look at the history of Jeremy Pruitt as a coach, of Kevin Shearer as a coach, and Chris Rumpf as a position coach, when I look at all three – when I, when I take those three or four factors and I put them all together, I think I've got a stew that I feel pretty decent about. I don't know that it's going to be the most delicious meal ever, but I with all those ingredients, I don't think it's going to be terrible at that position group. The question for me is whether the D-line can hold up well enough to let those linebackers stay away from two blocks at the same time and make some plays. But I, I, I like inside. I like their top four outside linebackers. I like their top three inside linebackers. I like – those seven guys, seven to eight guys in that group, I actually feel – I'm, t- I'm going to take a leap out there. I feel pretty decent about that position group. I do. Yeah, and they've got some SEC-looking athletes there. Yes. But can they play like SEC-caliber players? That's that's the big question, and that's – you know, we, we kind of get a lot of questions about the strength and conditioning and, you know, how much you – know, all that kind of stuff. And, and compare this to when, when Butch Jones took over, there were a lot of players on, on that first team that were not – did not pass the eye test. It did not look like SEC caliber players. Now you have got a lot of guys that that do look like SEC caliber players that haven't played like it. And so you're wondering if this uh, for some of the third and fourth and even I guess in, they got a couple fifth year guys too. Can this coaching staff squeeze every ounce of potential out of those guys? And so or enough to make them competitive. Yeah, or enough to make them competitive. But yeah, I think I think they have reason to feel good about inside linebacker. I think Batuli. I think he he everything that has been that I've seen and heard suggests that he's ready to take the next step. Correct. Um, it, it was refreshing asking him, I think it was maybe last weekend or two weekends ago, about uh, kind of what he did to kind of take the next step this offseason. He said, hey, I couldn't go in the spring, so I, I delved into to learning this defense inside and out. And I think that's obviously a situation where 
at least according to the previous staff, that's might be why he wasn't on the field more than he was last season. Uh, and, and obviously, I think he's you know, if they, it, it could be a really good combination for him to be maybe a little bit of the Mike linebacker making the calls, and then in some situations, hey, go get the quarterback because that's where he's really good is is see ball, go get ball, and to use his athletic ability. And so, um, I, I think that's intriguing to me. I think Sapp will be a solid player. Kirkland, if they can keep him healthy, I think will be a solid player too. Yeah, I. I uh, Beyond I, those three, though, eh, well, no, I, 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 yeah, no, <laughs> I think Ignat has some potential. I think he's had some good moments he here. He needs and there. to get it together. I think. Oh, there, there's no question. There's no question. He's got some work to do there. There is no question about it. But looks the part, though. Yeah, and, and I think you, you said exactly what I think about Batuli. And I'll add this: from the first day he stepped on campus, I've been a believer in Corte Sapp uh, as a as a player, as a kid. I just think he is. I think he could be a really, really, really good like elite-level SEC linebacker. I really do believe that. I think he could be a really good player. Uh, and, and I think he's gotten a little bit bigger physically finally. And, and I just think, you know, I, I like him a lot. And then Kirkland, as long as they don't ask him to do too much until he's comfortable, making sure he's 100% on that knee, because you can say you're 110%, he's not. I watch him run around. He, he's close. He's getting closer. But he's not there yet. But but he, he's good enough to play right now. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that – I just when I look at defensive line and then I look at linebackers and then I look in the secondary, I just have a lot fewer questions in that linebacker core than I do the other places. Yeah, and I I don't invi- well um, unless they maybe slide Batuli down in the nickel and play Sapp and Kirkland together at inside linebacker. I don't know that those three guys are going to play on the on the field at the same time, and I don't know that you necessarily need that. Uh, I I wouldn't want Kirkland playing too much honestly against a team like West Virginia where he's going to have to be covering a lot. Yeah, I don't think he's um, ready for that. I, I would, I would rather have Sapp in that situation. So I think you might see Sapp maybe play a little bit more than Kirkland in the opener. Um, that's just kind of my my yeah, high, and my, it, my, the, my theory there. But all three of those guys are going to play a lot. Um, but I think Batuli right now looks like the the guy that's going to be. I think he and Nigel Warrior are probably the two guys that are probably never going to come off the field. Yeah, and that's fine because you know Warrior played eight hundred something snaps last year, and Batuli played ninety something snaps in a game and did fine. So yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about those the, those two guys, but those are dudes. Yeah, the, those those are your SEC dudes right there. I, I feel and and I think a, a healthy Shy Tuttle is a dude too. So hopefully he can, you know, and he's practiced every day in camp. He's not been you know slowed down at all. There's a lot to feel good about there. I think, um, but we will touch on the secondary now before we uh, make a passing glance to the, the specialists and get out of here. Corners are people too. They have feelings. We too. have to talk about the whole secondary because yeah, I agree. There's a lot of interchangeable pieces there. I think, and I think uh, you pointed out earlier in the podcast about versatility, and that's that's a situation where it's it you know it, it's going to be even I think even more of a, an emphasis in the secondary. You've got your outside corners, your your boundary corner, and your field corner. I think those those guys are maybe a little bit different, but everybody else I think is kind of in the same boat, kind of competing for different spots because you got your dime. You got your star. I think it's what they call the nickel. Is it money that they call the dime? I don't know what they call it, but typically that's what you yeah, call. Yeah, their dime back is money. But you know, we see a lot of you know in practice we we see you know some of the safeties working on covering slot guys, and they'll have to cover tight ends too. So uh, they're gonna have a lot of coverage responsibilities and sort of the pattern matching coverage that they play. Um, it's gonna be a change for those guys, and so uh, the question one is how you can pick it up. But to me, the story of camp so far in the secondary has got to be these newcomers. Uh, I think they've really made a real impression on Pruitt and the staff. And, and, and the coaching staff was high on a lot of these guys coming in. And I think uh, you don't want to – you never want to oversell freshmen, especially in the secondary, because it's such an unforgiving position. If you don't ever hear your name called, 
you're probably doing your job. But if you make one mistake and you get beat for a touchdown, then everybody thinks you're terrible. Um, so it, it's, it's I think that's fair. I, I don't I don't think you know we'll have to see what happens. I think Alante Taylor has been probably the story of the camp. To be honest, I think there were there were high hopes for his move. I don't know if anybody saw this coming. And I think not, I think he's going to be a dude. I'm not quite sure he's a dude yet, but he's going to be a dude. He's going to make some mistakes, and he'll probably give up some plays and have some pass interference penalties and all that stuff. But, uh, he, you know, I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player for Tennessee this year and beyond. Uh, Buchanan, Balin Buchanan seems like he's locked into that other, st- other starting spot. I think that's – I don't want to say locked in. I went too far there. But I think he's probably going to be the starter there. And the rest of it, other than Warrior, I think those other couple of spots are still up for grabs. Uh, Sean Schamberger is going to be somewhere, I think. Um, but again, you know, these newcomers have, have, have made a real impression. Bryce Thompson's got a lot of athleticism. Tray, Trayvon Flowers does too. Kenneth George is somebody that, that the staff seems intrigued by. So, you know, are those guys going to be ready to go out and play West Virginia? I don't know. They might have to be. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we'll have to see how some of these other roles kind of define themselves over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, my, my best guess right now, and it is just a guess, um, if the season started today, uh, I would probably say that you're looking at uh, Buchanan, cornerback one, uh, Taylor, cornerback two, uh, Warrior safety, probably Abernathy safety, and maybe Schamberger nickel. That, that's a guess. I, I, I don't know that for sure, but um, th- that to me looks like maybe the group that they'll settle on a- as a five. And, and they're going to have to have a dime ready, too, to play West Virginia. It's just nature of the, their opponent. Yeah, at that point, I wonder if what they do is put you know someone like Kelly out there and slide Abernathy and Warrior down. I don't I don't know what they're going to do there. Flowers back there, you know, it's just yeah. Abernathy. I think is going to be the safeties are going to have to cover do a lot of coverage. You're going to have maybe one guy that's sort of a, a center fielder, but um, you're they're going to ask their guys to come down and cover quite a bit, and, and that's why. They need. That's why they want guys that can cover like corners and hit like safeties and play the run like safeties. So that's what they're going to be recruiting moving forward is just defensive backs, and we'll figure it out later. So um, you're going to see Abernathy, I think, do some slot coverage stuff. He he was a nickel uh, his first year. Uh, Schamberger obviously has done both, and, and this week they've looked at him exclusively at safety. So they're still trying to figure that out. And then we'll just have to see if Flowers can get in there. What you know? What can Cod Kelly do? I I think they're still trying to figure out what to do uh, at the safety and the star spot. And then obviously what they're going to do at the dime too, I think is something they're going to have to figure out. And they're going to have to have those ready and they're going to have to have, I mean, that's six guys. You're going to need seven or eight potentially if you're playing 85 snaps against West Virginia in September heat in Charlotte. So, uh, you know, Pruitt said this week that they have guys that show up one day and then the next day they don't hardly do anything. I didn't quite get his Southern wording of it there. Um, I think that's probably but close enough. And, We'll just have to see. I, th- I think there's reason, again, to feel better about this, this secondary situation than maybe there, there was going into camp. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's going to get tested right out the gate. So uh, it's probably going to be a situation where maybe they're, you know, maybe they go out there and get lit up by West Virginia and then they can start building from there and get better as the season goes on. But, uh, I, again, I think, I think Taylor has to be a real promising development there for, for Tennessee. I think that's, that's probably fair. Um, I, I know that they've got a lot of work to do there. So, I, I'm not going to say that it's hopeless because I don't. I don't believe that. I, I think Pruitt as a secondary coach, I think Charles Kelly as a safeties coach, I think Fair as a cornerbacks coach. I, I like their coaching situation there, and they do have some talent. Now at corner, it's going to be hard 
for me to believe that West Virginia is not going to be able to pick them apart a little bit there, spread them out, expose them in that area. But, well, if you, but and if, if you do, I mean, you're just – they've picked apart a lot of defenses. So, it's not – shouldn't be that alarming, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and that's like, you know, join the crowd, you know. You're, you're going to play maybe maybe one passing offense that good the rest of the year. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that offense will also be led by Derek Dooley, so eh. – Yeah, but Derek Dooley with a uh, – you know, potential top overall pick at quarterback. So, true. I mean, that's you know. Is there anything before we before we get out of here, Pat? Is is there anything with the uh, with the the specialists that we think we should mention now? I, th- I think uh, Samagli is probably looks like to me the kicker. I don't think there's much question there right now. I could be wrong, but I don't see a lot of question there. Yeah, we we never see them. We never we you know we haven't seen them do anything. I think the punting situation is is a reason to be concerned because you don't have Trevor Daniel anymore. Uh, no, neither of the guys, whether it's Paxton Brooks or Joe Doyle, are going to be Trevor Daniel. But Joe Doyle rules. But Joe, yeah, shout out to Billy Madison there. Um, yeah, I just I I think I think the punting situation might be. I don't say cause for concern, but just go into the season expecting you know the first couple of punts to be like, man, I miss Trevor Daniel. <laughs> I think that's going to be the reaction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I I think that's it, it's weird because Tennessee for years has been so good. That was something Butch was you good know, at. It, he it, could he could get his punters. You know he, you know he, he uh, Pilardi, Dar, both those guys. You know were really up and down their first three years, and then their final years with Butch, they were really good. So, and Pilardi's still in the NFL. Dar was in the NFL for a couple of years. Uh, Trevor Daniel was a walk on. Now he's trying to get uh, a job in Houston. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see. In, in, in terms of the overall special teams, uh, it looked like Theo Jackson and Jordan Murphy were the only two guys we saw catching punts in the open practice. I wonder if, if – is that competition bigger? I don't know. I think both those guys are, have some natural ability for that. I'm surprised Marquez Callaway is not in there, though, but maybe they need to protect him uh, on, um, on for offense. And I, I'd let Ty Chandler return kicks, honestly. So the way to get him the ball. He's he's going to be a guy that's it's going to be able to touches with him, and I, that's one way to get him the ball. I think that's fair. I, I've got I've got no issue with that. I, I think that. But I don't know that this is what they're going to do. It's I'm just, just it's, as far as I can remember, you know, except for the maybe the early part of Dar's career, Tennessee's always been good at punter. It, it, almost as far as I can remember. And they could be good with either one of these guys, but there's uh, talent. There's talent there in that leg. I mean, they got a couple of decent legs there. I just I I wouldn't be expecting the world off the start. Even you know. I don't know. I just I, I I was not like overly wowed by what they did in the open practice, and I think they're gonna miss Trevor Daniel quite a bit, at least to start the year. Maybe those guys will settle in, get the nerves done, have you know punted in a game a few times, but neither of those guys have punted in a game before, so that's it's a little bit of a question mark. I think that's fair. And punters are people too, so it matters. Patrick, is there anything else before? Uh, before we hightail it on out of here, that there's that, that you've seen from camp, just overall signs, overall tendencies, anything that you just think warrants a mention that we've not covered? Because we've gone we've I gone pretty we've comprehensively position by everything. position. But I will say this: that I think the team uh, believes in this staff, and I think you can see that. Um, now the staff's undefeated right now, so of course yeah. there, there's buy-in. But I, I do think it's worth noting that uh, a lot of the guys, including Combo, seem like to have completely different attitudes about things and much much more unselfish attitudes and th- there's some stuff to like there yeah no i think you're you're right to point that out did you just say i was right that's amazing i'm not your wife that's that's not that big a deal <laughs> yeah that's true if you if your wife says you're right then 
should take like photo, take a photo to uh, mark the moment. That's true. Get it framed. Yes. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We will be back uh, at the very latest. We'll be back next Friday. Uh, might sneak in a pod before that. We'll see. But uh, you know you're going to hear us on Friday morning. So thanks for listening. Anything comes up, uh, you know where to go. GoVols247.com. Facebook.com slash GoVols247. Twitter.com slash GoVols247. Uh, you can get a hold of all of us there. We have our own personal accounts too. You can get a hold of us that way. And uh, we will try to bring you the latest. Thanks, guys.